You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the Higher Ed Show. And bonus number three, access to the Digital Show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network. Welcome to Tech Tables. Super excited to have you on this afternoon. Thanks so much, Joe. It is a pleasure to be here, and it's great to see you again, man. Yeah, it's awesome to see you. You were a champ from coming downtown right after the Austin Marathon, half marathon, to come uh, meet up with me because <laughs> I know the city was all locked down for the race. So thank you for coming out. Yeah, I, and I got to give you a final shout out for that, man. The fact that you knocked that out and you're not like a consistent runner and, and the pace that you ran that in, not to mention the cause. I can't remember the exact name of the foundation, but ensuring a good clean water supply for underdeveloped countries is, is awesome, man. So kudos to you. Yeah. Shout out to uh, world vision and team world vision for putting that together. Actually, they're hitting me up to run the LA marathon or half marathon on, I want to say it's March 20th in a couple of weeks. And I don't know how much I have in the tank. I, I ran five miles the other day when I got back and I, looked pathetic i could that's <laughs> how tired it was <laughs> you're a big you're a big basketball fan and so maybe at some point we'll get into or not or just the podcast will go in an entirely different direction but i know you're a big basketball fan which i know we connected I and mean, you're also the cio for the texas development water board and i know you provide inspirational and effective it leadership for the agency which is probably why everyone at tech tables actually came to listen to this episode They're like joe we don't want to talk about basketball with Daryl the whole time. Yeah, we'll jump into it. So before we begin, today's episode is sponsored by Nagaro Public Sector. Nagaro Public Sector excels at helping senior technology leaders in digital disruption from cloud to AI to big data in digital product engineering to system integration work across platforms. To learn more about Nagaro, check out nagaro.com. Okay, so Daryl, let's start with your background. You have a pretty interesting background. You were at the Four Seasons as a director of IT and risk management. And how did the hospitality industry prepare you as a leader to serve your current team at the Texas Water Development Board? Yeah, actually, prior to that, I actually had a hospitality degree. So coming out of high school, it was a real interest of mine, hospitality, customer service. Got a hospitality degree, and I was fortunate to, to get on with Four Seasons. And that's a fantastic customer service-oriented hospitality company. During my stint with Four Seasons, I was actually able to move into a technology leadership role, which was perfect because it really helped me to be able to merge, you know, two passions of mine, technology and customer service. And, and that was a great experience for me. It, it just took my passion for customer service to the next level. But to answer your question, I, I really believe customer service and relationships are critical pillars to success for any operation. 
and especially in IT. And that wasn't always the case in the IT profession. I, I remember the Saturday Night Live computer guy skit with Jimmy Fallon. So I'm revealing my age here a little bit. The gist of those skits was that you know, the IT guy was just incredibly condescending to the people he was helping. And you'd just be like, you don't know what you're doing. Move out of the way. And there was a lot of truth to that in the IT profession years ago. It was, there was a lot of, you need us, we don't need you mentality. And I think everyone knows that, that is a recipe for failure today in IT. Customer service is, is really important. And I think truly excellent, excellent customer service is anticipating what the customer wants and providing it without them ever having to ask for it, or maybe even realizing that they wanted it. You, you are anticipating it to that level and degree. And I think this plays right into the IT profession, right? As an IT leader, you want to be knowledgeable of business processes and pain points, and you want to be able to recommend technology solutions for them that can make their operation more efficient and productive that maybe they weren't even aware of, or before they even asked for it, you want to be presenting it to them as a solution. And that's in an ideal world. And that, that is getting harder and harder to achieve these days with the pace of change being at the rate that it is and the, the digital transformation demand increasing like it. But ideally that's where you'd like to operate at. But yeah, I just think you know, my customer service background and experience has really helped me to succeed in establishing customer service oriented cultures with my teams. Yeah, let's back up just a second. So you got a hospitality degree and when you went to get that degree, I, I imagine it's probably some form of like business and just maybe actually just general business and then mixed in with some hospitality. Did you take a technology? There was no technology class. Is that right? Or uh, was there some technology? How did you get the initial, or was that all at Four Seasons? That's correct. Yeah. So at the, it was a hotel and restaurant management degree at the University of Houston, right? the Hilton Hotel School there. And yeah, there was no technology component to that really at all. My initially, my, my plan was I'm, I'm going to be a general manager of a hotel. That was my initial goal. But just like I said, during my time with Four Seasons, I started to realize maybe that's not exactly what I want to do. And technology had become a real passion of mine just on the side. And then I had an opportunity there to move into a technology role with the Four Seasons. And it was perfect. And, I, and then I realized this is what I really wanted. And like I said, it just blended that to kind of two passions of technology, but then also just providing great customer service. Cause I truly enjoy that. It's not something, and I think to really be good at it, you have to enjoy it. You can provide good customer service and, and maybe not enjoy it, but it's something that I really enjoy doing. Like I like seeing the smile on the end user's face when you've fixed a problem for them or you've provided them a technology solution that has just made their lives much easier at work. Yeah, no, that's great. And what's like a, what's a specific example of good customer service that you used at the Four Seasons and, and a specific one that you're using at the Texas Water Development Board? Wow. At the Four I know, Seasons. I'm taking you back. I'm taking you back a number of years right now to the Four Seasons. Yeah. And it's, I guess there's a lot of directions I could go with that question, right? At the Four Seasons, I had a lot more direct interaction with guests coming into 
the hotel. And with, with TWDB being a state agency, that opportunity doesn't exist as much. Our, our customers here are really the staff of the agency that are dealing with the external customers. But at Four Seasons, we had, I was dealing directly with the guests and it could have been a business executive who had come in from a long trip on the road and had to get ready for a meeting. And maybe he was having issues getting his wireless connectivity to work in his room. And so you're running up there in the nick of time to, to get everything set up for him and really save the day for him because that's the most important thing for them at that point in time. As far as solutions go and implementing solutions there at the hotel, I remember one of the ones that we implemented at the time was, I believe it was called Hot Sauce. And what it did was it really helped elevate the housekeeping service that we were providing to our customers and making that process more. All of the housekeepers started using iPods at the time to start taking requests and prioritizing which rooms to go to, any sort of special requests that were coming in to guests. And so at, at the time back then, that was a real game changer. And it made, one, their jobs much easier and more efficient, but it also allowed us to provide uh, much better service to the guests in a, in, a, in a much more catered and more efficient way. Bring that over to the TWDB side. Again, like we're dealing, the customers here are really the other employees of the agencies. I think it's just any time that we're able to provide a technology solution to them that removes pain points and makes their lives easier. Teams, here we are, right? Having this conversation, you and I right now, virtually, but Teams is a more recent one where we've taken a slow and steady approach to rolling out the Teams platform and Teams workspaces to our agency because we want to make sure that we're checking all the boxes and doing it the right way, but just what that's going to, to do for them when it comes to collaboration, whether somebody's working virtually or on site is going to be, I think, a big win for them and a game changer for us moving down the road. You've got to implement hot sauce at the, at the TWDB. You got to get the hot sauce in there. Also, you had said iPod. I don't know what an iPod is. No, I'm totally messing with you. I don't know what an iPod is. Uh, okay, so <laughs> that is old school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't even go. With the, I'll go off on a tangent on an iPod. Okay, so while you're at the Four Seasons, you picked up, you had told me before off camera about the three Ps, people, product, profit. Let's talk about the three Ps. Start with people. Yeah. So it all starts with people, right? That's the three Ps. Everything starts with people. I'm a firm believer in that. It is a primary focus for me, significant effort there. Recruit and retain elite talent through recognition, appreciation, and accountability. And there's so much that goes into that. I'm super passionate about finding the right people for our team here and the culture that we've created. And recruiting and interviewing is a, it's a two-way process, right? The, the IT labor market is so hyper-competitive and it has been for a while that those candidates are interviewing you just like you're interviewing them. And when we find somebody that we think is a good fit, we're fighting for them. We're not just leaving it to chance and hoping that, okay, we're going to give an offer and hope they accept. We're going the extra mile and fighting for these candidates to really try to accept our offer and, and bring them on board with us. And then once 
if we're fortunate to, to land that candidate, you move into onboarding and that first impression, that first experience is so important. We want them to feel welcome and, and, and comfortable and have uh, good structure in place for those first few weeks when they're joining the agency. And I, I could go on a long time about the people side of it, but that just genuine, sincere recognition and appreciation and then accountability. Like I said, I've actually heard this mentioned on some of your other podcasts uh, about the importance of accountability. And I agree hundred percent, but it, it has to come from a place of mutual respect and kindness. That accountability has to be done in the right way, but it's critically important. So yeah, people. And, and then the philosophy is that if you've got good people and you're taking good care of them, they're going to produce a good product. And then the rest of it's real simple, right? If you've got good people creating a good product, the profit just naturally follows from that. And so that is the three P's. It's a pretty simple concept, but it's one I still am a, am a big believer in. And so, yeah, it's all about the people. Yeah, I love that. That actually goes really well with my next question, which is around why is, why do you think like a, a people and culture is so important within the organization? There was some stuff that you had hinted on as far as like retaining elite talent, but just kind of curious to hear more about the people and culture and why it's so important to you. It's like, it's what everything is built on, I think. And you and I, you mentioned basketball at the beginning. You and I've talked about this a little bit and I am a big, I'm a college basketball fan and I have two great schools to root for. I went to U of H, go Cougs, I'm pulling for the Cougs, but I've lived in Austin most of my life. And so uh, I'm a huge Longhorn fan as well. I'm a big Chris Beard fan. We were fortunate to land him as a coach, which I think was an incredible hire. And he just made a comment just within the last few weeks that it's a player's game and your employees are the ones that make everything happen. Without a team of rock star employees, your IT organization isn't going to accomplish much. And so as leaders, we just try to create an environment that uh, allows them to succeed, keeps them feeling engaged and happy. And the culture of your shop is the foundation uh, of that, I think. And all the leadership sayings and cliches of people don't follow titles and lead by example. I think they're true. I think the, the, the good characteristics or the characteristics of good leaders have stood the test of time. And I think people try to reinvent this sometimes, but it's pretty simple, I think. And so I think those things stand the test of time and you've got to identify and establish what you want your culture to be. And then you better be living and breathing it 110% of the time, right? You can't get lazy. You can't start turning a blind eye to things because it takes a good while to get that the culture established that you want, but it doesn't take very long to lose it. And I just was thinking back about the accountability, right? Of and just recently I had a couple of like superstar employees, but like some things slipped through the cracks and that happens. It happens all the time. And these are great employees. Seriously, I'd cry if we lost these employees, but you still have to have that conversation. You don't just turn a blind eye to it that it, it's a positive motivational conversation, right? Like a basketball coach, like I know you are like on the sideline, that's more of a, come on guys, you know, we're better than this conversation. It's uplifting, but you're still addressing it, but you're doing it in the right way because 
that the attitude is there, the effort is there, but a mistake happened and you're just like, okay, what do we do to make sure that same mistake doesn't happen again? And that's different from an employee that maybe the attitude isn't right or the effort isn't there. Then that's a different message, right? That's a different message of accountability that, that you're sending. But yeah, I think that is just, it's just critical to everything that you want your operation to be. That's where it all starts from. Yeah. This idea of culture, I, I think about a lot because especially like on the basketball team, every season you get, especially when you're a JV coach, you lose 99% of your players go up to varsity. You get just like a new batch of kids who come in. And so the culture you you're starting basically from square, uh, square one or even zero, or you're in the parking lot. That's how far away you are starting. When I think about it, it's, I think what makes it so important is when you see teams that are highly dysfunctional and they're not together, you intuitively get it where you're like, okay, so I don't want to be like that, or I don't want my team to mimic that or be like that. And so I think figuring out, okay, this is, not the culture we want is super important. And then I think just sitting down and defining, like when you're the leader sitting down and defining what's important to you, being able to address, going back to accountability, being able to address stuff. And when you're a coach, you have to address stuff all the times, whether that's turnovers or your players looking at the ref <laughs> a certain way, or they're talking back, like you have to be able to step in and make those adjustments and really figure out, hey, how can we get the team together? And adults are, high schoolers and adults, they're, they're different, but they're also the same where I would say even high schoolers are probably more emotional. They just have a lot going on, but so do adults. And so I think part of the job of a leader, like I think part of my job as a coach is I'm like part-time therapist because I'm listening to their problems. I'm listening to their life. I'm asking questions. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how I can keep them focused while there's all these other distractions out there, how I can keep them focused on this two hour practice or this 90 minute game or whatever it is for this block of time. And I know a lot of leaders and a lot of adults have a lot of problems too. have leaders taking the time to actually make that investment is really powerful. Actually one, one like real tangible tip that I picked up from my wife, which she would tell going back to customer service, she would say, I, I appreciate you. And then pretty soon uh, I started saying that, right? Oh yeah, I appreciate you. And I think it's, a, it's like a little thing or another really great phrase she'll use is she'll say like, Hey, I, I noticed you did this and then I'm like, Oh, these are really great. I'm going to use this. <laughs> so I start taking notes down. I'm using it on the basketball court. And so I think leaders too, appreciating, noticing, I think that leads all this leads to retaining really great employees because you're right. It's a player's, it's a player's game. Players can go with it where they want, but if you can touch their heart and you can somehow figure out, Hey, this is the impact that you're going to make. People just gravitate towards you and they gravitate towards your organization. They want to be a part of that, which is super fun. Those are some, some thoughts around people and culture. And I think sometimes it gets tossed in as like, oh, this is just a fluffy topic, but it's really not. And <laughs> all of the technology is there. It's the hardest part is getting people to buy in 
And I was talking about van rides is a great one. And I don't know, I haven't quite figured this out yet for CIOs, getting them in a van with their team, but it's a great idea. We got the Tech Table Sweet Talk series, which I'll talk about in a second. That's close to a van ride. But then I was talking to Stephanie Dedman. She's the CIO for the state of Tennessee. And she's, oh, I'm hopping in a van. I was like, oh, really? Okay, well, where, what van are you hopping in? She's, oh, I'm doing this uh, Kentucky bourbon run later in the year. Hey, do you want to join my team? <laughs> I was like, sure, why not? I just don't even know what I committed to, but I just say yes to everything. And you hop in a van. And just, you're, getting, you're getting into a lot of runs these days, man. You're, I know, I know. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to go to, actually trying to go to yoga more than, than I run just because of the pounding. Building, like when I think about, culture, a huge piece of it is community, right? And so how do you build that community? I think too, another real tangible thing is just being able to eat with your team. People love to eat. Like most people, I love to eat. People love to, it's just, you get to know people. It's not just, oh, tell me about what SQL package you dropped in today. But like more of the meaningful stuff, you start figuring out, oh, Daryl is a huge UT basketball fan. And, and then you just pick up on the human side and then people come to work more inspired and energetic and they bring more effort because they have more energy and all of that stuff starts to make the organization gel together. So I love that. Man, I agree a hundred percent said and great points. And that, like, like I said, at the beginning, customer service and relationships are the, I think critical keys to success. And yeah, you have to invest in those relationships with your staff. Just like you said, and it's, they've got to be relationships of, of mutual respect and trust. And it can't just be a, I'm the boss and we're working here together type relationship. And that, that doesn't work. You've got to, you've got to invest in those things. And like you said, just like basketball coach does with the players like that, that's how you build a winning team. And I agree with you hundred percent, Joe. I love it. So as you, Darrell, we talked about it. I'm launching a new series called the Tech Table Sweet Talk series, small, intimate conversations happening live across the U.S. starting Thursday, April 21st in Phoenix with Arizona State CIO J.R. Sloan and seven other fabulous CIOs. I used to read all their names, but pretty soon because of the number of events I'm running, it turned out to be like, you know, it's like 30 something people. So I just, <laughs> I'm just going to read one, maybe two. And I think Tim, Tim Romer, who's the SACE so will be there. It's going to be a blast. There, there's a, a page up if you're a vendor and you're interested in attending. That one's going to be in Phoenix. That'll be the first one again on Thursday, April 21st. A lot of fabulous folks it rented out a presidential suite. It's going to be a blast. And then also we confirmed audience favorite, Mandy Crawford, CIO of the state of Texas on May 18th here in Austin. I'm actually not in Austin right now, but in Austin, Texas, which I'm really excited about the Commodore. A lot of people telling me the Commodore is really hot. So <laughs> really excited about that. And uh, I've just seen pictures, but the pictures look great. And then on July 22nd, I'm going to be heading to Raleigh, North Carolina for the Tech Table Sweet Talk series. Grillin' and chilling. Jim Weaver is, is, he is also a huge basketball fan, by the way. He's the CIO right. of the state of North Carolina, also competitive on the barbecue front. So if you want to have a competitive barbecue taste off, that's going to be the place to be. Going to be 12 CIOs there, live podcast interview. It's going to be a ton of fun. Make sure to check it out, tables.com. If you're a vendor, you can go there to apply. If you're a CIO, and there's a spot that's open. I want to say Phoenix is full. North Carolina might almost be full for wow. uh, live podcast events. You can hit me up at joe at techtables.com. 
And you can catch episode 78 for more details in the Tech Table Sweet Talk series where my wife interviews me, which was a ton of fun. So let's, we'll go back to the show. Daryl. Uh, yeah. Are you going to come to the one in Austin? You going to come? Did I win you over? You're putting me on the spot, but yeah, of course. Oh, I mean, there it is. Got him. We got him, Corey. I know Corey listened to every episode. We got him. You're going to come. <laughs> Man, if Corey's, if Corey's going to be there, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. He's coming on the podcast. And, and, you, said, and you said Mandy's going to be there. Mandy's going to be there. You, yep. You've got a winner right there already. So yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, she had a big time winner. On our podcast intro call, you had mentioned, this is actually really fascinating now that we're going to dive into a little more of the of the Texas Development Water Board. But you had mentioned that it really functions like a bank, providing low interest loans to counties and municipalities. Can you talk about the type of projects that your team engages in throughout Texas? I can at a high level. Yeah. So yeah, the high, level, high level is great. Yeah, high level is great. <laughs> Don't need the tiny details. I'm the tech guy and I know I should be spending the big chunk of my time in business and I try to, but that's not exactly where I want it to be yet. So I'm working that way, but yeah, the agency's mission is to, is to lead the state's efforts in ensuring a secure water future for Texas and its citizens. So through state and federal funding programs, we provide low interest loans to local governments and communities for water supply and water quality projects. And, and more recently, we were tasked with providing funding for flood mitigation projects as well. So that's a newer thing for us. But yeah, so like projects, new reservoirs, a new water treatment plant, water towers, water pipelines, et cetera, whatever it might be. The projects span the entire state. The financing Financing is available for communities of all sizes, El Paso to Beaumont, Dallas to Brownsville. An example of the city of Austin was looking to make improvements to its water supply or a wastewater system, or if they were going to build a new system, right? they could come to the Texas Water Development Board for low interest financing the project to whether it's planning, design, acquisition, construction, all of the above. Yeah, that's what we do at a high level. And there's all sorts of different projects that we get involved in. I think I just heard not too long ago, since the agency's inception, we've, I think, done over $32 billion in financial commitments since that time. So yeah, good things are happening with that money and, and they're needed to ensure that our citizens have a good stable water supply because the population of this state is growing rapidly. That's right, because people like me from California want to move to Texas or keep moving to Texas. We'd love to have you, Joe. We would love to have you, man. I know. I'm trying to get my affairs in order so I can hightail it out of California. Everyone in California listening is probably going to cry right now. I've got three states, Texas, Tennessee, and Florida are the three on my docket. So I know I have a lot of... Uh, fans in Texas who are pushing hard and friends. So I'm excited. The I think I was thinking about, first off, I think it's super fascinating that the Texas Water Development Board really acts like a bank. Kind of was reminding me of McDonald's. You're like, oh, the fast food? You're like, no, it's really a real estate company. That's And there's like a famous Harvard business case study on that. So that's actually what kind of piqued my interest was like, oh, okay. So I wouldn't have even thought about all of the funding 
and all of the loans that are going out to the counties and cities and municipalities to engage in that mission across Texas. So I thought that was really fascinating. You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the higher ed show. And bonus number three, access to the digital show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network.